Instagram's Explore page explained, and eight ways to beat the winter blues. Welcome to Working Girl Talk. Hello, welcome back to Working Girl Talk. So happy to have you join me today. Hope you had an awesome Thanksgiving weekend. Hope you shopped those Black Friday sales. So happy to be back. Let's dive right into the stories. So have you ever liked something on Instagram and then you just start seeing it everywhere? Well, this has definitely happened to me. I liked something Jonas Brothers once and then all of a sudden my whole explore page was Jonas Brothers for like a month and I was like what so I think we already kind of figured this out too that like the more you like something the more it thinks you like that and it wants to show you it but Facebook recently released a page documenting how the explore page works on Instagram. I originally discovered this through The Verge and then checked out what the page looks like itself, but basically Instagram has shared these new Instagram and Facebook has shared these new details on how the app uses machine learning AI to produce content for users, stressing that when making recommendations, it focuses on finding accounts it thinks people will enjoy rather than the individual posts. So it kind of wants to bring in that account feel rather than just individual posts, which makes sense. So from the actual Facebook page that they released, it says, collectively, these solutions represent an AI system based on highly efficient three-part ranking funnel that extracts 65 billion features and makes 90 million model predictions every second. So it's a very complicated system, which makes sense. So it's a lot of stuff going on in there to make sure that you're seeing exactly what you want to be seeing in their eyes. The Verge also said that um, also kind of broke it down a little bit easier saying that Instagram identifies accounts that are similar to one another by adapting a common machine learning method known as word embedding. Word embedding systems study the order in which words appear in text to measure how related they are. So the example that The Verge used it, used is that they have the word fire often appears next to the word alarm and truck, but less frequently next to words like pelican or sandwich. That's just what they used. They were saying that Instagram uses a similar process, so it can somehow tell if different words are related. To make these recommendations for your explore page, combines AI, this word embedding, and it also looks at what they call seed accounts, accounts, which are accounts that users have interacted with in the past by liking, saving, interacting with that content. It identifies accounts similar to these, and from them, it selects 500 pieces of content. These candidates, as they say in the article, are filtered to remove spam, misinformation, and likely policy violating content, quote unquote. And the remaining posts are ranked based on how likely a user is to interact with each one. And then finally, it selects the top 25 posts, and that's what you see on the explore page. Whew, so that is a lot of stuff going on for that explore page. But like I said, this all happens within a matter of seconds when you're uploading your explore page. This is interesting for a variety of reasons, but one, it just gives us a little more insight into the algorithm. Everyone is always, oh, the algorithm, like what's it all about? So this does give us a little bit more insight into that. I mean, it it's not like, oh, how am I going to get my content seen? But it's pretty interesting. So the more you like content similar, the more 
you will see it. So, I mean, we have already thought that, but it just kind of confirms that the more you like something, the more you see it. So just interact with stuff you like, so it can kind of push out the stuff that you don't like. Also, I think it's interesting that they're using this word embedding system. For a long time, there's been theories about Instagram using SEO practices. And um, I think it was about a year ago. It might have been a little bit longer, but they introduced that where you could put alt text in your pictures in like in your settings in a picture. If you tap like the three white dots in the corner and like edit, you can add alt text, which is for accessibility, which is awesome. So people that can't see can still enjoy Instagram, but there's been a lot of theories that this is actually like an SEO practice as well, similar to online, like Googling. And I wonder if it's looking at those or if it's looking at captions when it's doing this word embedding system, it wasn't too clear on that. And it also wasn't too clear. The article pointed out, I thought was good. They pointed out that it doesn't identify exactly what spam misinformation and policy violating content is. I mean, we know what policy violating content is because they have a policy, but it makes me curious what is considered spam and misinformation because that's been a whole big issue with Instagram anyway and Facebook, all these platforms. But it makes me curious because is that considered, there's always like the theories of like the shadow ban and I wonder if something, even if it's not spam, could be considered spam. So I feel like we need more information about that side because that would be amazing to know what exactly is considered spam in their eyes because in the past they've been relying on um, outside organizations to kind of filter through those manually. I remember a long time ago when I first started the podcast, you can go back and try to find it. I talked about um, a news story breaking that Instagram was going to cut down on misinformation and the example they were trying to cut down on was anti-vaccination content that um, like was proved false. So it was having um, these health organizations kind of go through and flag things that manually and tell Instagram, Instagram would take it down. Or, and um, so I wonder if it's relying on things like that, but like there's always like controversy about that, like how they're getting rid of content that they see as not real or inaccurate. So I feel like that would be the next step after this Instagram. Give us some info on that because then it would be nice to know exactly what you don't want people to see from a content creator perspective, but also just like in general, what they don't want on their platform and um, obviously they cover stuff like this in their policy violating content but they don't really dive in deep so that being said very interesting to know just start liking stuff that you like and then you'll see more of it and then play around with the alt text feature i have tested that out a few different times on my photos and i haven't seen too much of a difference but sometimes it just makes it like in your head you feel a little bit better about it (laughs) so test that out too Next story, Tiffany & Co, as I'm sure you know, the popular jewelry company, took a hit this last quarter. So according to Business of Fashion, Tiffany & Co missed Wall Street expectations for quarterly profit sales on this past week as it calls a weak demand at home and in Hong Kong offset growth elsewhere in China. Tiffany's business in the Americas has suffered in recent years, they documented, as 
specifically said this as price conscious younger customers gravitate toward lower priced competitors, which I think is interesting because I've seen a lot more um, affordable, like still nice, but more affordable than Tiffany's jewelry lines pop up. Like we have Kendra Scott, we have Missouri. I think that's how you say. It. I keep seeing that one on Instagram. Um, Georgiana, I think that's how you say it. All these, now that I'm actually saying them out loud, I'm like, am I saying them right? But I feel like I've seen a lot more um, nice, still high quality jewelry lines, but more affordable targeting um, young people pop up in recent years because they're really utilizing that Instagram. But now that I think about it, I haven't seen much in the influencer space for Tiffany's, which is interesting. Not that influencer marketing is everything, but just interesting. Business of Fashion reported that net sales for Tiffany & Co fell 4% in the third quarter, mainly dented by lower spending by foreign tourists, while sales in the Asia Pacific region were just flat, hurt by business disruptions in Hong Kong, where sales fell 49%. Something that's interesting is that late last month, um, Louis Vuitton, so their main company, LVMH, agreed to buy Tiffany for $16.2 billion. So Tiffany's net earnings fell from $78.4 million in the quarter ended October 31st from $94 million a year earlier. I wonder if Louis, Louis Vuitton will be able to kind of spark them back to life. This story is just so fascinating to me because I feel like it tells a lot about consumer habits right now. If you're not tapping into these younger markets, maybe you can't survive. I mean, that's just like my, I don't know their numbers or like the books or anything just from what I read, but it's really interesting that this luxury brand that's been in in business forever is seeing so much struggle while all these smaller brands that are more affordable, more approachable are succeeding. And I just, I feel like that's such a, a change in consumer dynamics right now, like with millennials becoming more of like the shoppers in the family. It's just really fascinating to see. And I feel like it could help other future brands kind of see like what's like the forecast of what's going to be successful concerning like marketing. And that's my lens. Like I'm more in like the marketing lens. So that's what I see when I look at this next story. Happy birthday from Instagram. Well, not exactly. So this week it was announced that Instagram will start requiring all users to provide their birthdays when making an account. The Verge reports that this new requirement is seemingly geared toward creating age-appropriate experiences. So a user's user's age might produce different recommended privacy settings or generate an app information about staying safe online, the company said in a blog post they released. Birthdays will be hidden from other users, so they won't be public knowledge, and existing users don't have to add their birthdays for now. And like typical, it's still like you have to be 13 to join the platform. It was interesting to read because Uh, The Verge reported that minors in Europe have had to submit their birthdays already to Facebook so they could comply with GDPR, as I'm sure if you deal with any sort of data, you probably have heard of GDPR. It's um, the privacy data law that Europe released. I think it was last year, pretty recent within the last couple of years. And um, so they've already had to comply by that. And it just makes me wonder, I know a lot of people to comply by GDPR, they just make their whole platform compliant. So I wonder, since Instagram obviously is operating in Europe, or they're just trying to kind of get ahead of the curve here. 
Um, I'm not really sure on that, but in addition to this birth date requirement, the company is also starting to allow people to block messages from people they don't follow. And it will also give business accounts and creators accounts the power to restrict minors from viewing their posts, according to a Reuters report. Instagram told the news service that it won't verify birth dates, but it thinks people will be honest about it. Honestly, we'll see. (laughs) And it's going to rely on artificial intelligence to help determine user's birth date, or it might eventually do that to rely on getting people's birthdays through AI, which is interesting. Another interesting tidbit that the article said, The Verge said that Instagram employees can already roughly estimate users' ages by going through posts that say happy birthday. It also trained machine learning software to predict users' ages and gender. It looks at the posts people make and the hashtags they use for data, The Verge reports. Which is interesting because I never thought about that, that somebody on the Instagram side could be watching when somebody's saying happy birthday to you. So they're kind of gathering data that way. And I think that's just a reminder. My thoughts, that's a reminder that um, it's a public platform. So there's people watching Instagram workers can see what's going on. So make sure you're doing good stuff on Instagram. (laughs) And also the other interesting part about this story is the fact that business accounts and creators accounts would have the power to restrict minors from viewing their posts. So I wonder like what that line is, maybe if it's like an alcohol brand or if somebody is talking about um, more like mature subjects, but like from a health perspective, not like trying to be like dirty or anything. I'm not really sure what that would look like, but it is interesting. It kind of reminds me of like um, YouTube, like how they have like YouTube kids where you can kind of control what your kids are seeing. Um, not always great as we've seen that they've had a lot of troubles in the past, but it makes me wonder if it's something like that. Like maybe you have to click a button, like, are you 21 to view this alcohol site or, or page or something? I'm not really sure what that looks like, but it's very interesting. So a lot of changes from Instagram this week. And just goes to show that they just know everything about us and they'll continue to learn every little part of our lives. (laughs) Last story before we move on, I thought it was really interesting. So Postscript is a company that does those. If you've ever signed up for texts from a company, so like Black Friday, I kept getting texts from Kylie Skin because apparently I signed up for that um, when I bought a product back in the day. So I... I waited in these, I got like a text every once in a while, like, oh, Black Friday sale, don't miss out, click this link. And it wasn't too bad, like it wasn't spammy or anything, um, but it was kind of cool. And I also got them from the brand Dressed in Lala as well, which don't know how I got signed up for that either, but I mean, I do shop there, so that's probably why. But I didn't realize that these people are probably using a company called Postscript. So I saw the, the headline this week and I was like, I have to talk about this because this is really cool if you're marketing, maybe annoying if you're a consumer. So back in February, Postscript claimed that they wanted to be the MailChimp for SMS, which is text messaging. And now they've raised $4.5 million to help do that. So they've been in a funding round since then, and it's worked out pretty well from them for them. So their team is currently 14 people, TechCrunch reports, and it's their company really is meant to help e-commerce companies, specifically Shopify shops currently. So basically it's just a plugin on your website and then you can type out a text message and it'll pop up 
on people's phones and then people can actually respond to it and it turns into a support ticket just right from their phones. It's actually a cool way to reach people and like a really nice marketing tactic. I think as this goes on, we'll see maybe more laws about this because the article made a good point that this is kind of like the last safe space, your texts. Um, like we get all these email newsletters, we get bombarded with ads, but like our texts were like our last safe space. And this is kind of taking that away a little bit. And it does have to um, abide by laws. There's the Telephone Consumer Protection Act and you like you can't text somebody or do marketing messages to someone without an explicit opt-in so there are some like rules around this but it's just an interesting time to see like what will happen with this if there will be more anything like that but like the trick with this is like they have to make it really easy to opt out which is kind of nice because you know how somehow like email is supposed to be like that but somehow it's like where is that unsubscribe button? But text like everyone I've ever gotten, it does say reply stop to stop like on all of them. You've probably seen that too. So they're trying really hard to because the company, it's not like they just are doing this for free. Like it's a plugin you have to like pay and use for. So it's kind of like an investment on there and they want to make sure they're getting a return out of you. Like they don't want to be texting you if you're not going to pay or like buy product. So it's a interesting two-way street here. And I thought it was cool that they've raised $4.5 million to just get this like a bit as a bigger company. And I think we'll be seeing this more and more because to have that direct communication with your consumers is like a gold mine when it comes to marketing and sales, e-commerce, all of that stuff. Oh, so we had a lot of news today. Wow. So now let's dive into our working girl topic of the week. It's the most wonderful time of year. It really is. I love December. Christmas is coming up sooner than usual because like Thanksgiving. So it's just a fun time, but it can also be a really stressful time, a really busy time. And sometimes in winter you can get in a little funk. I don't know if anyone else has experienced this, but it's just like, it's harder to wake up up it just it gets dark it's cold like you just don't feel as like comfortable as you do in spring and summer and you just can kind of get a little funk so I did some research a 2017 survey by the American Psychological Association found that while the majority of people in the survey reported feelings of happiness love and high spirits over the holidays those emotions were often accompanied with feelings of fatigue stress irritability, bloating, and sadness. Dang, I don't want that bloating. What? <laughs> so all, like, so you're happy, but there are like some stressors that come along with it. And 56% of respondents reported they experienced the most amount of stress at work. So I was like, wow, I need to talk about this on Working Girl Talk because it sounds like it's affecting a lot of people on the work side, which can kind of trickle over into your life. So stress affects your work, which affects your home. It affects you it affects your holiday break and we don't want that so that's why i thought it was important to talk about this and dive into eight tips to fight off the winter blues to avoid these stressors and just make this a happy time because it really is a happy time and it can get a little weird that it's so happy but it also can be like sad and depressing too so here are eight tips to help do that and i'm going to preface this with if there is like a bigger issue going on like seasonal depression like that's something to do with a doctor this is just for somebody who's kind of having like those like winter blues and like I'm not a doctor and don't claim to be so go get professional help if it's like a serious issue for you but these eight tips have helped me and other people that are 
struggling with just like the casual winter blues. So let's dive in. Wait, let's start with waking up. Number one, waking up is so hard in winter. You, It's dark. You just can't do it. So my first tip is to use bedtime mode on your phone. If you aren't doing this already, please do. It will dismiss all notifications until your wake up time. And it also automatically puts that orange glow on your screen instead of having blue light, which I honestly have the orange glow on all the time. I just don't like blue light. I think it's probably because I stare at computers all day, every day. So when I look at my phone, like it's like a nice little break. So it turns that orange light on automatically and you don't get any notifications. So it kind of like puts it on like airplane mode. It doesn't, but like it turns off everything until you wake up. And also if you like sign on and like um, unlock your phone, you can see them all, but it doesn't light up your screen or anything. Cause that's all just also distracting too. If you're trying to go to bed and your phone keeps lighting up. So takes away all that, but also a good alternative to this is to use a light clock. So back in the day, I remember my aunt got me one for Christmas and it was like the best Christmas present ever because it was an alarm clock that had a light. Like it slowly like turned on this bright light on your face. It like to naturally wake you up like over the course of 15 minutes and it was really nice like it was like a nice peaceful way to wake up because light can wake you up as well the sad part was like at the end of like the 15 minutes it would make this like terrible alarm sound but it was a nice way to wake up so I was looking into it again and I found one on Amazon that seems really good and more peaceful than like the loud alarm at the end so I'm excited about that getting myself that for Christmas because sometimes you it's just a little jarring to wake up to a big alarm. So I think waking up by light naturally, especially when there's no light outside early can be a nice way to go. So I can um, share a link to that as well if anyone wants it. Number two. So now that we got the whole sleeping situation figured out, now it's the getting up part, which getting up is the hardest part. I always imagine in winter, if you've ever seen that meme of Homer Simpson laying in the bed and it's like, I'm just a warm cinnamon bun. (laughs) I always die in winter because it's so true. You're in your covers, you're just warm and you can't get out. And so I have some, I have two tricks. So if possible, and I know like heater and bills, like all of that. So I have another alternative too if this doesn't work out for you but if possible turn your heater on a timer to turn on an hour or two before you get up so then you don't get tempted to just stay under the covers because it's too cold and like get the surrounding area if it's warm then you can just get up right away but a cheaper option if you don't want to mess with your air is to this is a weird one but just drink a glass of water before you go to bed so then you wake up like you have to go to the bathroom so you have to get up and i know like it's like what but like it's so hard to wake up in winter that like you need anything to get you up on your feet and then once you get up on your feet stay there that's also the biggest trick turn on that heater and if you don't just drink a glass of water before bed so you can just like actually get up tip number three really take your lunch break. So the working days during winter, during like the holiday season can get really busy because there's a lot of deadlines. It's almost the end of the year. You're trying to get stuff done and it's really easy for us to just skip lunch altogether. And I've talked about this before, but it's so important to just take at least 10 minutes 
not at your desk and just enjoying to eat because I've noticed recently when I get too stressed and like I'm not eating and I'm not taking my lunch break I can't even like think straight so I'm like I can't even perform well at my job I might as well take 10 minutes to get back on track and then actually perform like in 10 minutes is short like I'm sure you have probably like a 30 minute lunch break at least so really just take that lunch break if you find yourself eating at your desk and not eating at all take a step back go eat go get away from the desk. Along with that, tip number four is to make sure you're getting your steps in. So it is colder outside and depending on where you live, it could be snowy and it's just not fun to really walk around outside in the snow. We still want to make sure we're getting our steps in. So if you live in a place where it is available to walk outside, like it's not snowy, walk outside in like the middle of the afternoon when it's the most like the hottest part of the day. So you can kind of get some sun, get that vitamin D going. But if you do live in a place where it's more like snowy, cold, and you can't walk outside, try taking the stairs at your office. So even if you have to just go up and down the stairs a few times just to get some steps in, walk around Um, some desks, walk over to the bathroom, to the water fountain, like whatever it may be. And if you're using like an Apple watch or any, some sort of fitness tracker, that can be really helpful too during this time, because we do get really cold. We just kind of want to sit at our desk and like veg out and just work and huddle up. But it's nice to just take a break, get those steps in because it's a really easy excuse to not want to move at all because it's cold. Tip number five, make sure you're talking to people. I think sometimes the winter blues, as they say, comes from just like a feeling of like loneliness just because it's so dark outside for a lot of the day. Make sure you're talking to people. A good tip here is to, while you're driving to work, while you're driving home from work, is to call someone, call your mom, call your friend, check in with someone you haven't in a while and utilize that time for that. So you're not just kind of like sitting in the dark driving to work. You can be like talking and being active. And also because it gets darker earlier, if you're talking to someone while you're driving home, like your commute, however long that is, it like extends your day a little bit because you're talking and being active active rather than just sitting there in silence in the car then it's kind of like turning your brain like oh I'm getting tired now and then you just go home and right to bed even though it's probably like six o'clock but it feels like 10 so making sure that you're like staying up with people and like that's a great way to do it and also it helps on like the social side too because the more you talk and feel like you're interacting with people the more happier you'll be and you'll feel less lonely which will also help de-stress and make you a little bit happier too number six as I said above Actual workload can be really stressful at the holidays. Deadlines can pile up. There's overtime. It's just like a lot of stuff going on. So my recommendation here, make a list of your top priorities for the month, whether that's like you have like a deadline right before around Christmas time or the holiday time or the end of the month, like end of the year. So make a list of the top priorities. It could be like big picture ones, like five big picture things I need to do. Break it out by week. This So this might take a little bit. This might take like 20 minutes, but it's worth it. Break it out by week. And then if you can break it out by specific tasks for certain days, but at least getting those top priorities broken down by week is the most important part because then you kind of have a roadmap of what you can do because if there's too much going on, you get overwhelmed and you don't even know where to start. So that could be something I like to keep it to five to six things a day and just break it down that way. So then now you have a little bit of a roadmap of everything I need to get done. It's a little more digestible because you have little steps to get there and it's satisfying because you can cross things off. Number seven, master your mindset. 
don't use cold as an excuse. I know this one is probably the most vague out of them all, but it's such a big problem. We use the cold as our excuse to get out of things and um, to just not want to do anything. So be on alert for thoughts of excuses or laziness. Yes, you want to relax and enjoy and like just like enjoy the cold weather, maybe cuddle with a blanket. Like, yes, those things are awesome. But make sure you're not missing out on things that would normally bring you joy. So be mindful of how your schedule looks now versus a few months ago, like maybe in the summer or in August when it was more like fall weather, just to kind of see like, am I missing things because like, oh, my life actually, I just changed and I don't do that anymore. Or am I like making excuses like, oh, I'm not going to the gym because it's dark and it's cold and I don't want to. Or is it really because like, oh, like I ended up picking a different activity or anything like that. So kind of watch for those changes, do a little like comparison from what like things were like in August or September and kind of see where you're at, but just making sure that your mindset is not one of excuse because it can be so easy. The biggest thing that leads to like sadness or like feelings of stress I've noticed is that if you really just go to work and come home and go to bed, making sure that you're actually doing activities that you enjoy. And last but not least, tip number eight, don't make a huge purchase or try not to schedule like super major purchase events during December. And this one is just like from personal experience learning that, um, like purchasing a house or a car, anything big like that can be really stressful during the holiday season, during December, just because one, there's like a pressure to get stuff done before the end of the year, but also like you are probably buying gifts for people and it's just stressful to have that big financial situation coming up while you're trying to spend money that you probably wouldn't normally be, normally be spending. So that's just something I've noticed in like my personal life that if possible to try to avoid making huge purchases purchases um, around like this holiday season, just because then it puts like an added stress, added pressure on you. In short, don't use cold as an excuse. Just practice gratitude. Be grateful. If you're grateful, then you don't have as much time to be stressed out and worried and focus on what you can control. So like your lunch break, taking walks, talking to people on your drive, being positive and just like trying to enjoy the experience. So focus on what you can control, not what you can't and focus on the now and just enjoy the this awesome time of year that only comes once a year. So hopefully those tips helped. Please let me know if you have any questions. And again, if you are having like more serious, like emotional, um, problems and go see a professional. These are just tips to kind of help boost your mood throughout some of these more stressful days. And last but not least, I'll leave you with my Friday favorite. As we've seen on Instagram or any social media you've been on, we have our year in review music list. So a lot of them from Spotify that you've probably seen. I'm an Apple music person. So mine were Apple music, which they gave us an option too. If you do like replay.apple.com or something, it's just type in replay Apple. If you are an Apple music user and you can see yours too, it tells you your top five artists that you listen to and then the top songs you listen to. And it's really funny just to see everything you listen to throughout the year. And I thought it was funny that Old Town Road by Lil Nas X was my number four most listened to song. So you probably saw it on my stories, but that sums up in 2019 for me. <laughs> so if you haven't done that, go check it out. If you're a Spotify user or an Apple music user, it's pretty funny and kind of cool to reflect back on that. And if anything resonated with you today, please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend and spread the word. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you next week.